0: Excuse me. Uh, My life, my rules, which really we're hoping to get to God's life, God's rules. Last week, Lisa and I and Tyler and Trey, we were we were not ditching church. We went to another Wesleyan church. We went to uh, New Hope in Escondido last week. Many of you knew Matt and Manya Bohannon, who was he was our youth pastor here. They asked me if I would dedicate their son, Reese. Some of you were praying for Reese, who uh, is a miracle that he is alive. And so I got the opportunity to, uh, to dedicate him, and I, I, when he asked me to do that, I thought that was an honor, as much as we hate missing here on Sunday, that was an, such a great honor to go and do that. So that's where we were uh, last Sunday. But here we are, and uh, I know you had Pastor Marlia Cochran, I know she did a, a great job. Uh, we were also sad, we wanted to hear her, her preach too, you know, that's, that's the thing, anytime we're away and I get guest speakers or guest preachers, I want to hear what they're preaching, I know she did a great job. So I want to start off this morning a a, a little bit uh, strange, weird, different. I'm going to read to you the lyrics of a song. Some of you have never heard this song. Some of you heard it and turned it off. And some of you sang along to the lyrics. If you grew up especially in the 80s, right? George Thorogood's Bad to the Bone. Words that have never been spoken. In a church, and, and as I read it, I'm just going to ask you to think, who comes to mind? I'm, really, I'm not going to read the whole, all the lyrics, but who comes to your mind? All right, so on the day I was born, the nurses all gathered round and they gazed in wild wonder at the joy they had found. The head nurse spoke up and said, leave this one alone. Sorry, I'm not going to keep singing. She could tell right away that I was bad to the bone. Ba-ba-ba-ba-bad, right? <laughs> bad to the bone. Who comes to mind evil dictators Hollywood's bad boys and and bad girls uh, modern politicians a neighbor or relative I'm willing to bet it's probably not Jesus but if you were living in the first century around New Testament times and you were a Pharisee or a teacher of the law and you heard George Thoroughgood's song you would have thought of Jesus I know, it's, it's hard to believe because they thought, they called Jesus a lawbreaker. They called him and thought of him as a rule breaker. Now, now we kind of get that if we've read the New Testament, if we read the Gospels. Yeah, that's right, Jesus was kind of a, a rule breaker. He didn't obey all the rules that the Pharisees and the teachers of the law said that he had to obey. And not only that, didn't Jesus come to set us free? From the Old Testament law? Did he? After all, if we can identify Jesus as a rule breaker, then it's okay, given the right circumstances, for us to break some rules. Right? So here we are in this series. This is so awesome. I'm sorry I broke the. Thank you for this, Erwin. I really appreciate it. Oh, I I know. I waited too long. All right, we got we got two more chances here. Are you ready? <laughs> All right, uh, not so great, but I will get new markers. My life, and try. Let's try number three here. Oh yay! My rules. Right, that's the series. What we want is God's life as christians what we want god's rules but where we often end up in the church is here god's life anybody want to guess my rules This is always where we are being pulled uh, towards. I'm sorry, from here. We're being pulled here. How can I sneak my rules the way I do things into God's life, right? So I'll, I'll be honest with you. The last time I prayed as Jesus told me to pray for my enemies has been a long time. And this morning in preparing for this message, I felt we needed to do that. And I'm guessing a lot of you would be With me, it's been a long time since I thought of my enemies. I can pray that prayer without thinking of my enemies. God bless my enemies, thank you. But I didn't think who they are. But once you think about them, you remember Happy Days author Fonzarelli, he could never say the word wrong, right? I was, he would do that. As soon as you begin thinking about your enemies, then it's hard to say, God bless. It doesn't want to come out. Because we want to live God's life by our rules. But Jesus, who never broke any of God's rules, we'll see, wants us to live God's life by God's rules. That's the goal. So if you have your Bibles open to Matthew 5, we're going to, eventually we'll look at, I will read with you verses 17 through 20. But I just want to begin this morning with Matthew 5, verse 17. So Matthew 5, and all of Matthew 5 is good. We will look at a couple other um, passages in Matthew 5 this morning. But Matthew 5, verse 17, just to to begin. This is, of course, the Sermon on the Mount. And Jesus says in verse 17, Do not think I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. Do not think I have. Why did he have to say that? Jesus had to say, don't think I've come to get rid of the Old Testament law. Because people were saying, Jesus came to get rid of the Old Testament law. That's why he's having to, in a sense, correct, make a defense. People thought that. And they thought that because there had been some incidents, we'll call them. You may remember some of these incidents if you have read uh, the, the Gospels. There was a time when the disciples were hungry. And they were walking through a field, and there were some heads of grain they didn 't own the field, but they broke off the heads of grain and they they rubbed between their hands and they ate they ate it it 's kind of like thinking it 's cereal right so it 's like eating cereal out of the box without milk or maybe grape nuts and, and It was legal to do there was a law that said you could do that you couldn 't harvest it and then take it home and sell it that wasn 't yours to do, but you could break it off, but it happened to be on they want to take a guess it was a Sabbath. And so that, the Pharisees said, was work. And Jesus got accused of breaking the rules. He wasn't breaking God's rule. He wasn't breaking the Sabbath law. But he was breaking one of the Pharisees' rules. Another time, you may remember that Jesus uh, was preaching and it was on a Sabbath day and there was a man there with a withered hand. Some type of polio-like thing is coming back in the world today. When we think of withered, some of us remember about, about, about polio. We, we know people who had... Um, arms and legs that weren't fully developed. And Jesus was there, and this man had faith to be healed, and Jesus was ready to heal, and the Pharisees were looking, will he do it, will he do it? And they wanted to accuse him, and once he healed the man, they did accuse him of breaking the rule, healing on the Sabbath. Is that just crazy? Can you imagine (laughs) being so... uh, hateful towards someone, that you would, you would accuse them of doing God's work on the Sabbath. By the way, Jesus did not heal by His own power. He healed by the power of the Holy Spirit. The Spirit of God working through Him. And it wouldn't have worked if He was breaking the law. <laughs> so we, we can kind of understand now why they were calling Jesus a rule breaker. But He never broke the law. And what's the danger with, with thinking that Jesus was a rule breaker? What's the danger of thinking, well, Jesus came to say, don't worry about the Old Testament laws. What's the danger of thinking Jesus is, should we say it, cool? Do you remember when you were in school and, and you had those teachers who were cool? Remember the cool teachers? Do you remember why you labeled those teachers as cool? Because they didn't care when you showed up to class. You would come a little bit late. They wouldn't mark you tardy. Oh, that's a cool teacher. If you pass notes in class, they didn't care. That was a cool teacher. If you got out your cell phone, right? Some of us, are like, we, we didn't have cell phones back then, I know. We didn't need cell phones back then. We were tough. <laughs> you want to pass notes? You, you, in the, the te- yeah, we passed notes. We wrote to each other. They were the teachers, like, oh, you turn there, Simon, in. just turn in tomorrow. No big deal. And we thought they were cool. Right? And then we had those strict teachers. Remember the strict teachers? They wanted you to be in class on time, no talking, you pay attention. And those, we thought some of them were too strict and mean. And then we got out in the real world. And we met bosses. Bosses that wanted us to be there on time, not use our phone on, on work time, and, and get our work done on time. And depending on whether or not you grew up, you either thought those bosses were jerks, right? If you didn't mature... Or you thank God for those strict teachers <laughs> who taught you the real world. And then you look back and you go, huh, the strict teachers, they loved me. They were caring about me. And the cool teachers just wanted to be popular. And when we think of Jesus as saying, mm, forget the Old Testament law, you can break some rules sometimes. We are making Jesus out uh, to be like the popular Jesus in our world. The Jesus who says, just try to get along. Just love people. And when your image and your your view of Jesus is, is the popular view of Jesus, you're going to be frustrated with Christianity. You're going to be frustrated with the church. You're going to have a distant relationship with the Word of God. That is, you're not going to want to go to it and read it daily. You're not going to push on in the discipline. And by the way, reading the Bible is never easy for anyone ever. It's a discipline. I have a friend and he jogs regularly. He is disciplined. I am amazed at his discipline in in jogging every morning. And Trey, sorry my son, he gets nosebleeds sometimes. So if you see him holding his nose, he's okay. Lord Jesus, we pray your help. Trey's nose stop bleeding. Amen. So he disciplines. He's up every day running. And he says this, I hate running. (laughs) But it's good for me. And when I'm saying we don't hate the Word of God, I'm saying when I have the discipline of trying to read the Word of God daily, it's never easy. I have to go to it. It's a disciplinary. It takes discipline to do it. But if I think Jesus is cool, then I think, well, He doesn't really care if I do it. And you'll see your relationship with the Word of God is even distant in that way. Hmm. So what's going on here? What's going on? Why is Jesus telling us He came to fulfill the law? Why are people accusing Him? I just want to show you this morning, if you have your notes out, three responses to the law of God. Three responses to God's rules. Is our nursery open? Oh, okay, just want to make sure you had a place to play. All right. So, I want to show you three responses that we have to, to God's rules. And so, if you're following along in your notes, you write these in, and I think you'll see. Oh, yeah, this is this is responses we can have. One is we relax the rules. So the first response to the rule, uh, God's rules, is this: we relax them. Um, in the Bible, there's a couple, ex- a few examples. So one is in Matthew 19, where Jesus is talking to the Jewish people about marriage and divorce, and he says, you know. God permitted you to or permitted Moses to have a certificate of divorce, but it wasn't what God wanted. He wanted it to be one man, one woman for life, to be married for life. That's the goodness of marriage. And what happened is Moses permitted this certificate of divorce and they got carried away with it. I mean, it got to a point where if you wanted to divorce your wife, and by the way, it was a, a very unfair law. Because it was always the man who could initiate the divorce. A woman could not seek a divorce. And if a woman got divorced, she then had no financial means to support her. Unless she could go back to her family, which a lot of times they couldn't afford. She was left destitute. That's why you ended up with a lot of of prostitution in New Testament times. So the laws got crazy. They began to relax and relax and relax. So a man could say, you know what? My wife was out. I saw her talk to another man. And therefore, she was cheating on me. I want a divorce. And they would give him a certificate of divorce just for something silly like that. That's what happens when you begin to relax the rules. Relax uh, the rules that God has given to us. Another example from the Bible, you've heard the the word in the New Testament, Corban. You heard that word? So there's a law that said you're supposed to honor your parents. Remember that law? And part of honoring your parents means to make sure they were taken care of in their old age when they could no longer work. This is before the days of Social Security and retirement savings. The children were supposed to help provide financially for their parents. Well, they found a way to get out of it. They began to relax the rules. They just said, you know what? Uh, I was going to give some money to mom and dad, but that money went for God's purposes instead. Some think a lot. A lot. Many end up going to uh, the Pharisees themselves, so they could say, "Okay, that's that's an okay law. That's relaxing the rules of God. That's trying to live God's life by my rules." We have done uh, do the same thing, American Christians. We tend to do our best rule relaxing around tax time. Ouch. Huh. <laughs> Well, God, this money is Corban. Therefore, I'm not giving it to the government. I'm going to give it to to you. Or we begin to... uh, Come on, some of this income, even though the Bible says pay your taxes to the government, but in this case, we begin to relax the rules. Someone, Someone said this is a great statement. The more you want something, the grayer the Bible becomes in that area. The more you want something... The more gray the Bible becomes in its commands in that area, does that make sense? (laughs) As soon as you know we don't want something, it's black and white. Oh, the Bible says this: yeah, don't lie, don't cheat, don't steal. But as soon as you want something, well, a little bit of a lie, a tiny stealing, a little bit, some cheating, right? It becomes becomes gray. Hmm. Uh, I've told this story before, but I love it, so I'll uh, tell it again. Many of you know that years ago, Ray and Lucretia uh, sold their van. Uh, they bought another vehicle, I think, uh, uh, for, for their family, and they had this van, and we had this family, and they said, you guys want to buy our minivan? And so we said, yeah, we'll take it. And it came with, we bought it from it, it came with a warranty. There was still a warranty on it. And we didn't need the warranty for a long time. By the way, that was a great van. We missed it n- until finally, just it, it lasted a long time. It was a great blessing for our family. Um, and so we had it about a year and a half, maybe two years, and the power steering pump went out. So no worries, right? It's under warranty. Well, guess what I find out found out? If you don't transfer the warranty within a year, the warranty is not yours. So I had a choice to make. When I go down to the dealership, do I tell them I've owned the vehicle for a year or just eleven months, twenty-five days? <laughs> I was going to lie. I'll be honest with you. I was going to do it because someone bought the warranty. Ray and Lucretia, it should still be under warranty. It was just that I didn't own it anymore. And so it's okay to lie because money was paid. It was paid for that warranty, right? And that night I couldn't go to sleep, which was a very odd thing for me because I, by the grace of God, I sleep well and I was wrestling. I looked back. I didn't know then, but I look back and I was wrestling with God. And finally, after an hour or two of laying on the bed, I sat up and I said, OK, God, <laughs> I won't lie. I'll pay the three or $400 it's going to cost for the power steering pump rather than break your life-giving rules. And I went to sleep not long after that. Now, not all, whenever we... Live out Christ's righteousness. I believe there is reward. I don't think it's always immediate or in this lifetime, but I believe there is reward. In this story, there was a lifetime a reward in this lifetime because when I got up the next morning, it hit me. Somebody still owns that warranty. His name is Ray Wells, so I call up Ray, hey, you want to go for a ride? Sure, where are we going to the dealership. <laughs> And we got there and he showed his warranty. Well, I actually had the card, but he had to show his, it's his still under his name. So he had to show his ID and got repaired, no charge to me. God's rules are never meant to be relaxed. The second response to the rules of God is this. We try to reinforce the rules. We try to reinforce. That doesn't mean we try to say, hey, you've got to do this. It means we try to build something around to protect people from breaking God's laws. The Pharisees and and the, the, the Jewish people often built fences around the law so that you couldn't even get close to breaking the law. They put these fences around it. Uh, in the gospel stories, this happens most often with the Sabbath laws. You remember this. So the Sabbath was basic, basically cease labor. So they worried that something could turn into labor. So they said, well, you can't prepare any food on Sunday. You've got to prepare it all the, on, sorry, on the Sabbath, which was Saturday. You've got to prepare it all beforehand. If not, you're just going to be hungry. Right? They, they had this rule called a Sabbath day's journey. Maybe you've heard that term before. What was that? That was the furthest you could walk on a Sabbath day, which was uh, around uh, two-thirds of a mile. If you walked more than two-thirds of a mile, then you are breaking the Sabbath law. That was a fence they put around it. Human beings are good at putting fences around God's laws. that keeps us away from breaking them, but they're not good rules, are they? They end up destroying what God wants to do. Hey, interesting The first fence placed around God's law was in the book of Genesis. When God said you will not eat from the tree of the fruit of life, and when Eve was questioned about it, do you remember what she said? God said we shall not eat it or touch it. God hadn't said don't touch it. She was already building a fence like we do. We have been guilty in the church of doing this, especially in the holiness movement. We have built fences around God's law and turned uh, Christianity at times into legalism. Maybe you grew up in, in one of those homes where you couldn't have a TV. That was bad. You were not to go to see a movie. You couldn't play cards. I have a friend. This was in, uh, we were in Kentucky at a church there in like ninety eight I think it was, or 97. He was the youth pastor. He almost got fired for playing old maid with the high school students. And they were even using an old-made deck of cards. <laughs> but, oh, you can't play cards because that might lead to, to gambling. So these rules were made. When Lisa and I got married, the church we were in had had a rule, didn't have it any longer, but it had been built into the church: no dancing. Now, personally, I'm okay with the rule, no dancing, because I'm a horrible dancer. I don't like to dance. So you said to me, hey, Tim, let's go out dancing. I said, no. You say, hey, Tim, I'll give you $100, you'll go dancing with me. I say, no say, Tim, I'll give you $1,000. Okay, because I'm not a fool. I just don't like to dance. It takes $1,000. But when we got married, I wanted to dance with my wife. So we had dancing at our wedding. Now, let me tell you, I got outshined by her father-in-law, Garland. Man, that guy can dance. <laughs> now, my, you, my father-in-law, your dad, Garland, yeah, he, he was quite a dancer. But I wanted to dance with my wife. So we went ahead and did that. And we followed the fence law. We would have not, to, not have been able to enjoy that moment between us or have that memory, even have the memory of you dancing with your, your dad, which I know is a precious memory to you. So what do we do? We are not to relax the laws. Can't do that. We are not to reinforce the rules. Can't do that. What do we do? This is the third thing. It's what Jesus teaches us revere. Are you with me? Revere the rules. Now we're ready to read uh, the rest of Matthew 5. I'm going to start in verse 17 again. Do not think I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. Just pause there a moment. Jesus is not getting rid of any of the Old Testament or any of the Old Testament laws. Right? Rather, he's come to fulfill their true purpose. Even some of those crazy laws, <laughs> you know, like says, hey, if you meet a witch, stoner, right? We, we don't do that anymore. Jesus, listen, Jesus helps us understand the true intent and the fulfillment of the law. It's weird to hear a law being fulfilled. We think of prophecy being fulfilled, Right. So uh, in in mythology, you you know this prophecy, right? Whoever pulls the sword out of the stone becomes the next king, right? In in the Bible, there's prophecy that gets fulfilled. Um, You, O Bethlehem, from you will come or be born in the city of David a savior, right? Laws? Laws don't get fulfilled. God's laws do. There was something intended in the original laws that Jesus brings about and we should say this makes possible. Let's go on. Verse verse 18. For truly, I tell you, until heaven and earth disappear, not the smallest letter nor the least stroke of a pen by any means will disappear from the law until everything is accomplished. So so no cross of a T, no dot of an I will disappear from the law. Therefore, verse 19, anyone who sets aside one of the least of these commands and teaches others accordingly will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever practices and teaches these commands will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I tell you, unless your righteousness surpasses that of the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, you will certainly not enter the kingdom of heaven. This passage makes clear that Jesus is not a rule breaker. He came to fulfill. To bring about the full fulfillment of the law. In the Old Testament book of Jeremiah, it says this. God said, I will put my law in them. I will write my law on their heart. That is, Jesus died. Well, he, first, he lived and showed us how to live out the law. Then he died so that we could be forgiven for not living out the law. And then He rose again in order to send us the Holy Spirit so that we could be empowered to fulfill the law. To be righteous. Look at verse 19 because this one makes you scratch your head. I'm still scratching my head when I read it sometimes. Therefore, anyone who sets aside one of the least of these commands and teaches others accordingly will be called least in the kingdom of Heaven. Whoever practices and teaches these commands will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. Let me see if I can just do something on my giant whiteboard. What is this, this thing like? Uh, three by four? Three by five? Wow, see, I need a bigger imagination. What does Jesus mean here by the least uh, uh, of his commands? we we'll write it up here, least. It means, here's an idea, easy. Okay. What are the easy commands? Don't steal. That's easy. Don't murder. That's kind of easy, right? Honor your parents. Those those things are pretty easy, which which we would just say be nice to them, <laughs> right? Those are the easy things. But Jesus says, right? Those who obey his commands are great. What are the great The great commands are Jesus, we'll call them rules, capital R. The great command, sorry, my U there looks like an O, but you'll forgive me. So if you have your Bibles open, open, look at verse 21. Here we are in Matthew 5. Jesus said, you heard that it was said to people long ago, you shall not murder. Easy. Anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. But I tell you, anyone who is angry with a brother or sister will be subject to judgment. Anyone who calls their brother or sister a fool or stupid, and we could go on there. That's not easy, is it? <laughs> That's great. We are to be great people obeying the fulfillment that Jesus has enabled us to obey in the law. Not just obeying the least or the easy ones. All right. Uh, where, where else can we go? Look at verse 27. You heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery, but I tell you, anyone who looks at, oh, sorry, you shall not commit adultery. Easy. But I tell you, anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. Jesus is going to the heart, isn't he? Uh, skip down a little further to verse 38, if you will. You've heard that it was said, eye for eye, tooth for tooth, slap for slap, slug for slug, Verse 39. And that's, but I tell you, do not resist an evil person. If anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to them the other cheek also. If anyone wants to sue you and take your shirt, hand over your coat as well. That's hard. Jesus is calling us to righteousness. The ultimate purpose of God's law is to produce righteousness in us. That is to make us like God so that imagine we want to obey we can obey we love all of God's laws even when we don't like them are you with me even when I it says pray for your enemies I'm not saying I like that don't don't you thank you God that you didn't give us the power to erase certain parts of the Bible because that would be gone but He enables us to trust and know that it's good so that we do it. I don't know about you, but after I obey God and pray for my enemy, um, I feel Him at work and I feel that I have done what is right. And that is the fulfillment of the law. That's what it means to be righteous. That's what it means to be great in the kingdom of God. The ultimate purpose of the law is to produce God's righteousness in us. So I'm going to close with a story. Um, I, there's a term in the story that offends some of our sensibilities. I just apologize for that. I don't know how to change it. A woman integrated, in, immigrated here from another country. She started a business. Uh, the company grew. She began to hire employees, and she bought a building. The building happened to be next to a house uh, where a neighbor lived, so it was the first building in the commercial zone. There was a residential zone, and it was next to a house. And the owner of this house had hated all the tenants of this building because he didn't want or she didn't want the building to be there and so harassed and hated all the tenants of the building. And so as this woman's business is growing and she's moved there, the employees, her employees begin to complain. He dumps our trash. He leaves his garbage cans out so we can't park. He throws things over his fence. And she would say to her employees, be patient, be kind. And then there came a time when the employees say it had, had enough. It says now he's taking his dog for walks in our parking lot and the dog is pooping. There's the word. The dog is pooping in our parking lot. And on our sidewalk, what do we do? So she called a staff meeting and she said this, in my country, the country I came from, we don't retaliate against people who do us wrong. We do just the opposite. We show kindness. So here's what we're going to do. Anytime you see dog poop, I want you to tell me. And we're going to send him a present. A present for a poop. That's the name of the story. (laughs) They sent. They would. They'd would. They would come in and they'd complain. All right, we send them gift cards. Sometimes they they sent things for the dog. They'd send. They'd go down to Petco and buy a, a, a new leash, or I don't know. Maybe they they bought packs of uh, uh, dog scooping stuff. But they would do stuff in kindness. Bones, housewarming gifts, and the employees thought she was crazy, but she was the boss, so they did this. She said, if you see him, say hi to him, invite him to come. We have coffee and donuts every morning. Invite him, he can come in and have those anytime he wants. Hmm. And after a month of this, the staff had another staff meeting. The staff said, hey, we liked your idea, but guess what? It's not getting better. And she said, that's not the point. (laughs) The point is not to do this to manipulate our neighbor into a different Behavior. The point is that we are to exercise the character of love and grace. Despite that he chooses to exercise a character of disgracefulness and anger and hatred. That's the point. On the very next day, the very next day, employees came in. Say, guess what? Now he has two dogs. <laughs> And she said, guess what? Now we'll send two presents. (laughs) That's just the end of the story. That's uh, uh, Matthew 5, 48, to pray for and to, to love your enemies, to be like our Father in heaven, to pursue the righteousness of Jesus. And here's the question for us this morning. Will you pursue the righteousness Jesus wants to fulfill in you? Now at the end of the story, you're asking the question, What country is she from? She is a citizen of the kingdom of heaven. Philippians chapter 3. She is a child of her Father in heaven. Matthew 5.48 Will you pursue the righteousness Jesus wants to fulfill in you? By the way, if you notice in the story, when she spoke up and she said, that's not the way we do it in my country. She was living in this country, but she was living by the the rules of her other country. And we as Christians, that's, that's our life. We live in this world, we live in this country, but we live by the rules of another country. The kingdom of God. If you're here this morning and you desire the righteousness of Jesus, but you've never yet entered into a relationship with Him, let me invite you to that. Jesus came to show us how to live. Do you want His life? You begin by putting your trust in Christ, trust that He will forgive your sins and that He will give you new life. Would you stand with me, please, church? If you would like to ask Jesus into your life for the first time, I'm going to begin my prayer time just by asking you to repeat after me and ask Jesus into your heart and begin a relationship with Him. And then then I'm going to close out in prayer for us all that we would pursue this righteousness with Christ's help. So with your heads bowed, eyes closed, I just want to ask you, everybody's heads down. Is there someone here who would like to give their life to Jesus this morning? Who wants to receive his life, his help, his forgiveness, to enter into a relationship with him? If so, would you just raise your hand? I just want to, uh, I won't point you out, but I want to know so I can pray for you. Okay. Gracious almighty God. If there is someone here, perhaps they they want to receive You, they just didn't have the courage to raise their hand or, or aren't sure, I pray that You would bestow upon them such grace to know Your love, that they would, even as we pray now, pray this prayer. Dear Jesus, forgive me for my sins. I believe You died on the cross and rose again. Come into my life. Renew my life. And give me uh, the gift of eternal life, we pray. And Lord Jesus, I, I just ask that if someone has prayed that prayer, that You would help them to know You're with them. And, and that they would come talk to me or my wife or someone else in the church and share. That they have become a follower of Jesus. For the rest of us, God, we acknowledge to You. We left, one day when we came to know You, Jesus, we left my life, my rules. And, and we accepted God's life, God's rules. But oftentimes we get pulled back into God's life. My rules forgive us Lord. Forgive us for not striving to live out the full commands of Jesus. To live out your commands as Jesus explained them and taught them and fulfilled them. To pursue your righteousness that we might live as aliens in this world. Father we pray and ask that you would Help us to pursue Your righteousness in all areas and in everything in our life. To seek Your Word, Your truth, to know it and to live it out. Empower us, convict us, teach us, guide us, grow us, help us that we might recognize the fullness of the law, Your righteousness in our lives. May You get all the glory, Jesus, in Your precious name. Amen.